0: Hey everybody, this is CLAT2 and you're listening to GNU World Order, episode 34 of season 13. I'm still on the move. I'm not in Raleigh anymore, but neither am I in New Zealand. I'm in San Diego, California, for the Open Source Summit. Summit. And it just got started today. It's a Monday. I would have recorded this episode that you're listening to earlier, but I've been really busy, actually. I've been at work most of the previous week, and then flying uh, yesterday. So that just didn't really didn't work out for me so well. So apologies for for the day lateness once again. But um the beautiful thing about podcasts is that give this a week and no one will know that it was a day late if I hadn't said so. So in this episode I, I don't have I, I still don't have my Slackware computer in front of me, so I I, I still don't feel like we should go through, for instance, Util Linux until I'm back on Slackware. Not because, you know, th- there's not really a great reason for not doing it. I just feel like um, I, I, if it was any other package, I would go through it anyway. But but since we've started Util Linux on Slackware, I want to continue with that version, that specific version. Because I, 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 I'm i afraid that if I just look up Util Linux on my Fedora box, which I actually did, sort of trying to decide what I was going to do, uh, it's still right here, in LESS, actually. And I just I see that there's a bunch of stuff in user bin, and then there's more stuff in user s bin. And I can't be sure that they've organized it the same way that Slackware did. And I feel a little bit, yeah, hesitant to just kind of change horses midstream. So I'm not going to do that. And instead, I'm going to talk about auto tools. And I'm going to talk about auto tools because I've been using it recently. Um, and I, I've actually, I'm quite fond of it. I will admit there's a couple of quirky things about the the syntax of of like the macros and things like that that one does kind of have to consider. But it, I think it's arguably worth it, and I'll tell you why it's arguably worth it. Very notably, it's worth it because you can write twenty say maybe 30 lines of of code to get everything installed and you'll get out of that 20 to 30 lines of co- of your code of your little macro lines you'll get 4000 lines of code for free now that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing right i mean yay free free lines big deal that doesn't necessarily mean that those lines are worth anything. Just saying, look, you've in- increased the 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 line count of of your install program by, uh, you know, a thousand-fold. Um, that's not necessarily great. Or actually, would it be a thousand? It would be like, no, it'd be, I mean, definitely a th- at least a thousand. But anyway, I don't know what fold means. So um, it's a lot, though, Right and and sometimes that just means oh yeah you've bloated the thing but what happens with auto tools is that it actually does generate code that considers the platform and that's pretty valuable speaking as someone who has written install scripts for you know from scratch just thinking well, well how can i get this program onto linux bsd and os x or whatever they're calling it these days how could i do that you know, and, and sort of figuring that out and writing it into a shell script. It works. That works. Is it the best way to do it? Possibly. Possibly it's an okay way to do it. But AutoTools does it all for free. I'm not saying that there's not a good alternative, because there probably is. And I, I don't know where that is. But I mean, there, um, there's probably something out there that, that is simpler, uh, has less macros for you to worry about, and so on. But then again, AutoTools has a lot of great macros. And these macros help you generate an application that will run on the platform that you're targeting and then install into sane places that can then also be overridden by the user. So it, it's, it's really preparing you for all eventualities. And I think that's the, that's the selling point of, of GNU AutoTools. So, GNU AutoTools is the thing. You've probably seen it or heard about it before. If you're into building your own software from source code, if that's something that you're interested in, then you've you've done the thing. You've done this. You've done the dot slash configure make make install. If you've ever typed that sequence into a terminal, then you have used GNU AutoTools. GNU Auto AutoTools is the infrastructure that, that that makes those commands work. And those can th- those include Auto make, autoconf uh, and technically auto Reconf and and make itself. Now make isn't the only make around. There are other makes, but Gnu make, uh, then Gnu Auto make and Gnu autoconf and auto Reconf. that's all part of the auto tools suite. And it performs those canonical steps of preparing an application to be compiled. That would be the dot the slash configure step. During that step, AutoTools scans the host system, the thing that you're running this stuff on, to discover your default settings, such as where your support libraries are located. Uh, so on Fedora, that would be foo devel, D E V E L. On Ubuntu, I think they just do uh, foo-dev, or maybe dev, dev-foo, dev something like that. And then on Slackware, you just get it for free because you install everything on Slackware when you install um, an application. You get all the header files and everything. So .slash configure would detect where those support libraries are, those header files and such, where those are located. And uh, it would... Detect where you want, where your system says the default location should be for 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 the actual install. So that gets set there during that dot slash configure step. It looks at variables, important variables like um, you know your binary path and your exec executable path, and, and library path, and things like that, Doc documentation, where does your documentation go, to? where's that going to go, and it builds these paths based on these variables that exist, and these variables are defined generally by your distribution itself, you know, someone, someone has spent time sort of defining how the system is going to be put together, and that th- 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 those variables get set, and then when dot slash configure gets run, it it looks at those variables and and respects them. Now you can override them yourself, which is one of the nice things that you get with auto tools. A bunch of variables that you can override because if if for some reason you know better than than your system, which is not that's not an amazing thing. You that that could quite possibly happen. Uh, then maybe you want something installed in user local bin instead of user uh, bin. Or maybe you want it installed that uh, slash opt slash bin and so on. So you can define all those those different variables. You can make them make them be whatever works best for you. Or or you can you can install locally. You could say, Well my I got a different destination entirely. I don't want you to install everything to the root partition. I want you to install everything to this folder here, which I'm going to then bundle up and uh send somewhere else or whatever. So that's the dot slash configure step, and then make is the step that triggers the make file. It looks at the make file and does all the instructions contained in the make file, and that usually uh, usually involves um, compiling code with some kind of C compiler, which itself is usually defined by a, a variable, a CC variable. Uh, And then finally you've got the make install, which again triggers, it's a a rule in the make file called install, so you're invoking the install step with the make program, and as long as there's an install rule in the make file, uh, then everything that you've compiled gets placed onto your system in whatever location has been detected by ./.configure. That's how AutoTools works. Uh, sort of, kind of the the big picture, because obviously we don't yet know, we don't understand what dot slash configure is doing. We we could suspect that it was a script of some sort because we're running it with a dot slash, so we 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 assume that it's some kind of script. But where does it come from? How does it how does it get generated? Well, that's what we'll talk about. So the reasons that you would want to use auto tools would include. The portability angle, which I've just sort of talked about, the, the ability to, to deliver software and have the user do their .slash configure and their make and their make install, that's really nice. Another angle that I've learned recently is that it is the default build system in a way for a lot of the packaging out there. So for instance, if you're going to build an RPM out of a package, out of, out of a software, if that software is already scripted and set up for the AutoTools toolchain, then all you have to do to build an RPM out of it is sort of include like two or three um, macros that that comply to the AutoTools workflow, and your RPM build system is it's done. That's that's all it takes. It's not exactly all it takes. It's not quite that easy. You have to still have to build your your spec file. You have to make a sort of a skeleton spec file, and you have to uh, list all the files in the RPM and little things like that. I mean, there there there's weird sort of what I would think, uh, consider clunky RPM maintenance that you have to do. But the, the 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 thought process, the hard part of like trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I make this file get over to my temporary directory and then from my temporary directory into my rpm like what does what what needs to happen there it doesn't matter you just tell it oh yeah this is a this is an auto tools thing so do your make make install steps here and now you've got an rpm so and I'm I, I'm pretty sure I haven't done it in a while but deb is kind of the same thing for a deb file and and frankly even slack builds could leverage that um so in other words the GNU auto tools as dan washko himself once said that's kind of i mean he didn't exactly say this but that's kind of the universal packaging format i mean technically he said okay compiling from source code is the universal packaging format and i think that's that's a broader statement than what i'm saying but i guess i'm i'm taking a sub a subset of what he said and saying that that it's it's kind of nice. It it, it sort of universalizes a lot of the packages out there. So if you know that you're going to distribute something to people who are then going to package it up, handing them an auto tools infrastructure makes it pretty easy to, for them to sort of plug and play into that. And that's worth that's worth thinking about um, because otherwise, and, and again, just from experience, you've got this. Shell script that you've written to install on three different systems, and you feel pretty good about it, but you forgot that there are some things that some people might want to override. But oh well, no one's really complained, so that's okay. And then you deliver that to a packaging uh, someone who's going to package it up, and then they're going to have to redo it anyway because none of what you've done applies to their packaging system. So they're they're now rescripting. You know, they're they they have to script something completely new. And so now you've got two build scripts. One one that you do for your fallback, one that you do for your official, and then one that they do for their official, and then the next person who's going to do the script, uh, the packaging is going to do another one, and it just keeps compiling and compounding, and that's just kind of silly when you could say, okay, well, here's GNU Tools. It will compile everything and make sure that it gets to the right place for an install. You make that... Talk to your packaging format, and in the end, we will all have the same kind of package based off of the same uh, the same source. Okay, so AutoTools. Speaking of of being universal, um, AutoTools has uh, a pretty specific set of expectations in how you and um, how you structure your project. So first of all, it assumes that the source code that you're that you're packaging or that, yeah, that you're delivering, is in a source code directory called, a subdirectory called, so in a, in a directory, we'll call that foo, right? That's our project, is foo. So in foo, we would have a subdirectory called s- s- src, source src. Um, and that's where GNU AutoTools expects the source to be located. It doesn't have to be in src, but I'm just telling you that if it is, you you get a lot of stuff that you don't have to specify. You don't have to override the defaults. Default is your project directory slash SRC. That's where AutoTools is going to look for the source code. You also must have four files, one called news, one called readme, one called authors, and one called changelog. Let me make that very clear. It has to be news readme, not readme.md, not readme.txt, but readme, authors, and changelog. Three of those are capital, changelog is not. Change and then log, C and L are capital in changelog. And Autotools is pretty strict about that. If it doesn't see those files, it will throw, I think, a warning, but I almost want to say it's an error. Either way, it won't be happy if you don't have all those, those files. Now, you don't have to use those files. They can be symlinks to something larger, like if you have your authors and your readme and your um, your news, such as it is, in a readme.md, then you could just symlink all of those to readme.md. GNU Auditools doesn't care. It just wants to see that those entities exist. Okay, so the first thing that you have to do and and the confusing thing, I guess, about AutoTools, or maybe not confusing, but the thing that you want to remember is that GNU AutoTools becomes part of your source, and then you build from your source a distributable source package. So what I'm saying is that you set up AutoTools for development, and when you're done developing for that for that sprint or whatever, and you want to release something to so let's say packagers or to the general public, whatever, you want to release something, then you don't just release what was in your development folder. You don't you don't just take whatever you had and put it online. You do like a GNU Auto Tools build for your distribution. So build a uh, make dist, for instance, and that produces Sort of this thing with the configure script and your make file and all these other important parts in a folder, and that's why you you may have you may not have but you may have gone to a a, a git repository at some point or a sourceforge uh, repository I guess is what they're still called. Um, you may have downloaded something from the, from like a, a nightly not a nightly build but like a from the latest you know from the from master. You download that, and maybe you've done a dot slash configure only to find surprise, surprise, there is no dot slash configure, and maybe you'll get an error that says oh, or maybe you'll read in the readme it says oh if you didn't, you know if you didn't download a distribute a, a, a dist package, a release file, then you'll have to you'll have to set up auto tools first, and it might tell you to run um, auto reconf and stuff like that. So so the the, the first step is for you to build your development files for your AutoTools infrastructure. And then eventually, you'll like I say, you'll, you'll build from that what you actually hand out. So the first file you have to create is called configure.ac, and that is located at your project's root directory. So it's not in SRC. It's out in the, your main project file. And it is going to be used by autoconf to create the configure shell script that runs before you build the code. So this is the thing that's going to generate the configure script that people run when they type in dot slash configure. So the file has to contain at the very least the ac underscore init macro and the ac underscore output macros. These are m4 macros, which is described on the GNU website, if you go to gnu.org slash autoconf uh, slash manual, you'll find, um, or just gnu.org slash software slash um, autoconf, really, um, you, you'll find details about the M4 macros, the, the macro set. Macros are commands that are kind of bundled together. Macros, they're... they they Take a bunch of activities and sort of give you they're, they're basically functions really in a programming language you know they there are things that are bundled together that you can invoke so that you don't have to do a whole bunch of extra work. And these two, the AC init and the AC output are um, are pretty simple. I mean that's they're designed to be simple. So the um, AC init is the one that provides and I mean this alone to be honest was kind of one of those things that that kind of made that kind of sold me on this uh, on this tool set you AC init parentheses square bracket example close square bracket comma square bracket 2019.8.20, 2019 dot square bracket uh, comma square bracket cla at gnu world uh, info dot or whatever this show is called, GNU World Order.info. Close square brackets, slow, close parentheses. So if you haven't gathered, you have just, with one line of code, you've just made it so that you can manage the versioning of your software in one place. You've given it the the name of your software, which I've decided is Example. I know earlier it was Foo, but I guess we renamed it. So Example. And then 2019.3. or 2019.8.20 is today's date, according to my computer, which I don't think that's actually right. Uh, I think I've got my computer. Well, I know I still have my computer on New Zealand time, so I think here in the States it is August 21. But anyway, um, so I'm using that as a version string. I know that's not, it's not quite the best way to do it, but that's what we're doing right now so if i was going to increment that tomorrow then i would 2019.8.21 and then when i build my distributable auto auto tools package um, all the version strings in in my in my code would know that the the that its current version is is whatever's in those square brackets so that's huge that's a big deal and then uh, ac output AC underscore output is going to generate a uh, config.status which performs various configuration actions. Uh, You can read more about it in the uh, documentation on gnu.org. Mostly you can just kind of trust that that's going to help you with your .configure step. And that's... Pretty much it for, for configure.ac except that um, you, you need a little bit more than just configure, the dot slash configure. Uh, you're, you're also going to need a make file. So, uh, a make file is the thing that tells make what to do. So when they do the dot slash configure, they're running this configure script which you've just created with the AC macro set. But now you need the when when they type make, you need to have stuff for for make to do. It needs a, a make file, and that make file is going to need to sort of uh, govern what what make knows to do. And actually, I I lied. Uh, That's not it for configure. I forgot there. You you also, there's a couple of extra things for configure. So actually we're not done. But anyway, um, the the make file uh, macro is am underscore init underscore automake. That's pretty easy. That doesn't accept any arguments. So you just type that in into your little configure.ac script that we're building here. And that will... That will ensure that when you do autoconf, that a makefile is generated. And then there's ac underscore config underscore files, parentheses, square bracket, makefile, close square bracket, close parentheses. And then finally, possibly, you'll need to define some kind of uh, Compiler. Uh, strictly speaking, this is not necessary. For so, f- for instance, if if your auto tools, if this if this package is called example, if if we didn't if we didn't have anything to compile, then we wouldn't need to define a compiler, because a compiler would never need to be called. But if if you have written code, then you need to you need to define either CC for a C compiler or CXX for a C++ compiler. And the full macro for that is either ac underscore prog underscore cc or ac underscore prog underscore cxx. Then you're actually done. So that's that's the configure.ac file. You're not done with everything. You're just done with the configure.ac file. Next is the autotools makefile generator, which is makefile.am. This is used by the automake command, which, if you'll recall, I I listed as as one of the three components of autotools. There's automake, autoconf, and make itself. So makefile.am is the thing that that AutoMake is going to use to generate a full fleshed out big old make tool. Make file, um for auto tools. Make file. Um and and once again, makefile.am is kind of a, a collection of I'm not gonna say macros, because it's not they're they're not macros exactly. They're they're like um the word was on the tip of my tongue. Um they are they're almost overrides. They're not quite overrides. They're they're just explicit things that you want the make file to, to be sure that the make file includes. They are rules, I guess. They're not quite rules. There's something else. There's another term I'm trying to trying to stammer out and I just can't get there. But um they, they are rules for your make file. So the what you write here is going to end up after a fashion in your makefile and, and you can actually write stuff directly that will end up in your makefile. So it's, it's kind of your gateway to, to adding to the, the stock template that your makefile is going to end up as. So first of all, the, what you'll need almost, almost always are a few variables to define which files are needing to be built, and where they are going to be installed, or, yeah, where, whereby, def- eh. well, yeah, w- what would govern their location. So, you, you can create your own variables, and, and in this interesting kind of syntax, the, the end of the variable name defines kind of how they get used later. So, variables ending in underscore programs, all capitals are the things that identify their variables identifying code that needs to be built. It is usually considered the primary target. It's the sort of the main reason that the make file exists. There are other underscore variables like underscore scripts. Those are I think the intent is that those, those are additional scripts that for whatever reason you want to include with your, with your distribution of your, of your code. Now for me, sometimes they were, the, the scripts were everything. Cause I was just doing a auto tool package of, of something that was only a bash script. So underscore scripts was like all it was because it didn't need to be compiled. It just needed to be included. So underscore scripts was, was good enough. Underscore data. That's, um, obviously some data files underscore libraries, um, our, our library files and so on. So if your application is being compiled then you you use the identifier bin underscore programs equals uh, example and then you might say example underscore sources equals example dot CPP if, if, if example is a C++ program. So there, there's a certain madness to to the variable structure. There's a certain um, there's a certain com- com- compounding, I guess, of of what you're building. So bin underscore uh, programs equals example, and then now and so now we know that bin underscore programs is example. Therefore, example underscore sources specifically provides the source of of what? Of example. And it, it's telling AutoTools that oh, the, the source for example is example.cpp. Now notice that we're not saying it's src slash example.cpp. That's because AutoTools assumes that your source files are in the src directory. So remember when I said earlier that you didn't have to put everything in src? It's better if you do because then in at this point, when you're having to define, for instance, source files, you don't have to tell it exactly where everything is each time. And there would also be a different rule anyway that you would have to tell it uh, to allow files that are outside of the, the default path so that, that you're, you're avoiding a lot of extra work that way. Okay, so the target of bin underscore programs is, installed, is to be installed into the bin dir. And the bin dir is a thing that dot .configure sets up. And that's why when you're doing a dot .configure, you can change your binary directory. You can tell it, I'll oh, put it in user local bin instead of user bin or, or whatever, because, because all of these things are looking like at this cascade of variables and these cascades of paths that are being built. And you're kind of taking part in that as you build this make file with all these specially defined variables. So for instance, let's say that you weren't doing a C++ application. The example wasn't didn't need to be compiled. Well in that case you could do bin underscore scripts equals bin slash example for instance, or or wherever your example is. And now bin underscore scripts would know that You want to install this extra thing that doesn't need to be compiled, but it's still a valid um, part of part of your of your of your um, setup. Now, if you actually did have your example script in bin instead of src, then you do have to add automake underscore options equals foreign space subdir dash objects, and that tells Auto tools that it's okay that you've just defined that the example script is in bin instead of just throwing it example and it would know that oh that's that must be in the SRC directory so it really def- depends on your on how you're generating your your scripts and so on um, I don't know that if I was writing a script I would think to put it in the SRC directory which is why I'm pretending like it's in bin Either way though, the the destination would be your bin dir, And so you would still call it bin underscore scripts equals example or bin slash example wherever that thing is. Because you want auto tools to know that this is the this is the stand-in for the binary. This is the bin underscore entity. It happens to be a script, so don't compile it, but it's it's still a thing. You can also make, as I said, your own custom makefile rules in makefile.am and they'll be copied verbatim into your generated makefile. So, while you're sitting around making variables and stuff that will get propag- propagated throughout your makefile, you can also just you, you can just type stuff into makefile.am that will get translated completely over to your your distributable package. So, for instance, if you did a, um, if you had to change something in your example script, you could do like an example colon bin slash example dot sh, uh, and then do a sed a sed line under that or something, um, or or whatever you wanted to do, or if you needed to touch a certain file that wasn't there yet, or more, even more realistically, or more generically, I guess you could do like a um, a clean rule. So, for instance, sometimes uh, for me, especially, I, I I want to have a completely clean state. Right? Pretend like everything is is brand new. I just I, I like being able to get back to sort of the the state where nothing has been generated yet. So. I put a clean local colon into my uh, into my makefile.am, and I do like an at-rm config.status configure config.log, do an at-rm makefile at-rm-r-auto-mate.cache and so on. All these you know sort of th- littered files that get sprinkled around. I mean, I could just add those to my git ignore too. You know, I could do that, but. Um, I don't. I, I, I make a clean dash local, and then when you do a uh, make clean uh, a make clean, it it brings those it, it, it includes those um, those rules straight from the makefile.am Am because they got trans or they got dumped into the makefile. That's part of your makefile now. Okay, so that's kind of your your makefile process. That's your uh, auto, automake. A or your makefile.am, Am rather, and your uh, configure. Ac scripts, and to decide what you need to do, it's it's really a, a matter of reading the GNU. Org slash software slash autoconf and automake documentation. It, it does tell you what what different macros do and and what needs to happen for them to get get invoked and and. And, and kind of what wh- what the process is for you to end up with something that you know sort of makes sense. I I kind of feel like in a way it's a little bit easier than let's say an RPM because at least with Makefile you are the variable construction's a little bit weird like bin underscore programs and and that you set that to example or to foo or whatever and then. So now foo becomes your new base, or your example becomes your new baseline for your next variable, so you do that, underscore, sources, or whatever. You know, I feel like that's a bit weird. But at least you know, sort of in your head, you know what you need to get done. You, you know how the thing is compiled. And so you know the steps, the one or two steps, to actually make everything sort of get built. So all those GCC lines, or those G++ lines, or whatever that you have to do to, to test your application, you just, you know, though, you know that those things are, you know, that that's your source. Those are your sources and you know to list them in your, in your auto, uh, in your makefile.am. Whereas for, I don't know, RPM or something, there's just a bunch of macros that you kind of throw at it and you hope that it's going to interact with your project correctly. Now, to be fair, if, you, if you've done your project in AutoTools, you can almost guarantee that RPM will interact with it correctly. So that's, that's the benefit. Um, so I, I think, yeah, in a weird way, at least for me, AutoTools is the first step in making, let's say, an RPM or a .deb. Uh, really. Like, that's the, the secret first step that no one tells you about because you probably don't have control over it. It's, it's, it's whoever programmed the thing that you are packaging. But as a first step... It, it does tend to make more sense. That's not to say that you'll know exactly, you know, right away. It's not super intuitive. I mean you'll still have to look up the, the macros. You'll still have to look up the variable construction and like what the, what it all means and, and where things are going to get installed to. Um, but I don't know, it, it feels a little bit more intuitive than than not to me. So once you're done all of this stuff, you you have your development your your develop your development uh, infrastructure and you can continue to develop your your application. And at some point you you probably want to get it out into the world. So you think, okay, well, I'll just drop this. I'll just tar this up and put it online, right? Well, no, wrong. Not yet. What you want to do is you want to make a dist target. Now, you don't know that you have a dist target because you haven't done that yourself. AutoTools just gives it to you for free. So, once again, this is kind of part of the workflow, and it does take a little bit of getting used to because you don't, you don't know that it's part of the workflow. But, you'll see. So, the first thing that you do as the developer is auto reconf dash dash install. That installs the compile script, the install-sh da- script, and something called missing. I don't know what that is, to be honest. Um, but apparently it, it has something to do with some fancy things like depcomp comp and uh, a compile script and a make and something for make. A bunch of different things gets um, installed locally to your little uh, folder. And then you can do... Uh, oh, and your configure script and your make file get... Uh, gets uh, created and then you can just do a make dist that's all you have to do make dist like I say dist happened for you out of your makefile.am file it read all of the stuff that it it knows it it needs in order to to make that work and it puts all of those things into a directory so you might do like a, a make dist and wait for a moment and then you'll get an example dash uh, 2019.8.20.tar.gz ready to go. You could even extract that if you wanted to, and go into it, and then do your dot slash configure make make install as a test, and you would see that it worked. So that's what your users are going to see. So your users never see the thing that we've built together just now. I mean, they they do see it because they could they could run those commands themselves. But they don't have to. What they get is is this configure, make, make install infrastructure that you've, you've created with the make dist. The advantage being that it's really easy for them, no matter what system they're using, to build your project. And as projects get more complex, and as you realize that you can't anticipate all of the different requirements of a bunch of different systems that you never imagined even existed. Much less that someone with one would try to install your software on it. The um, auto tools makes that possible for you because now you don't know, you don't have to know where this system or that system happens to keep its um, its header files, or or the fact that that the system keeps its header files in one place, but the user building your software on some slice of of their supercomputer at work happens to keep all those header files over here in their home directory because they don't have access to the big supercomputer header files. So, you know, everything's getting redefined in ways that you would never expect. But AutoTools doesn't care because it has that cascade of v- variables and environment variables and settings that that no one has to think about except the user, and they know to think about it, and AutoTools will accept that. So I th- I would say that AutoTools is kind of kind of brilliant, and I know that there are other build tools out there. I realize that I know that AutoTools is not new, <laughs> it is not necessarily the best thing, but it is not a bad thing. It is actually really quite useful and spending a little time with it um might surprise you really it's it's not a bad thing and i think this is a a great one for me to cover today because um i didn't have i don't have i, I don't see that when when we do when we cover these commands uh in uh, in slackware as part of the 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 package overview um, I, I don't see how I could possibly explain them in context to one another. So this is the big—that was the big Auto Tools uh, tutorial. Um, that that none of the, these commands will—you know—they don't really make sense outside of sort of that flow, and that's how that workflow is meant to happen. So hopefully that was informative. Uh, certainly, if you've always—you know—if you've never set it up, you might wonder. How all that stuff happens and how it gets to where it, to, to, to you know, how, how that configure script, where where does that come from and why does the make file have all that stuff in it? And what does it all mean when you go look at it? Because it is overwhelming. It's, it's 4,000 lines of code or something like that. So there's no way that you're going to make, make any sense of it. And the reason for that is because nobody made sense of it. <laughs> the people maintaining auto tools made sense of it, and everyone else is just using the macros to generate this thing for their package, for their code. And you can too now. Okay, I think that's everything I've got. I'm uh, I'm scheduled to give a talk tomorrow at Open Source Summit, so I guess I'll go prepare for that. Um, I mean, not prepare, but, you know, practice. Uh, and until then... I will, no, not until then. Until then, I will be uh, practicing. Until next time, I'll talk to you from New Zealand.